at her hair, look at her braids, look at her eyes, look at her nose, look at her fro. But it's all upon me. Look at her face, look at her skin, it's either too dark or it's too light. Her complexion's not right, but it's all upon me. Who are you to say that I'm not beautiful? It's your own insecurity. Because I know and I believe my black is beautiful, beautiful, my black is beautiful. My black is beautiful, beautiful. Whoa, whoa. Look at her size, look at her weight, she is too curvy. She is too slim, or even too thin. She's too thin, but it's all upon me. Hear how she talks, what does she mean? She has an accent. I don't understand, I can't comprehend. But it's all upon me. Who are you to say that I'm not beautiful? It's your own insecurity. Because I know. beautiful and listen look at yourself in the mirror your black is beautiful as well welcome to another edition of the dunamis word broadcast and i am your host pastor harvey burnett and i am glad i'm thrilled i'm excited to have this opportunity to share the word of god with you one more time listen we'll go real quickly to the book of luke chapter 4 and we'll read starting at verse 16 And it says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down and all and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears jesus read as an annunciation or an announcement actually of his ministry isaiah chapter 61 the spirit of the lord is upon me listen god has done and is doing what he is doing and nobody can do things like he can do it listen i just want to talk today just for a little bit so many things are going on 
in 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 our world our world is stressed out challenge we're going through all kinds of economic financial pressure covid has got half of everybody scared listening to the news media and all this type of stuff put all that stuff out just for a minute and we want to talk about uh, our world and just for a bit but we want to talk about the ultimate solution and that is the word of god uh, and god and his way that is the solution to what we face you know you wonder why you look around and you see that there are uh, along with um, uh, inflation and economic pressure and all that there's murder there's uh, theft there's all kinds of things there's rioting protest division seems like on every hand and uh, a lot of this you know has been going on generating generating building up somebody said that uh, Donald Trump was the cause of this and that's not true that's a a lie uh, from the pit of hell no one man brought these things out these things were in the heart of individuals in the heart of a generation who has basically become indifferent or turned their back on God and by turning their back on God they have run into humanism secularism and those things cannot fulfill the heart or the mind or the spirit no matter how much money one has no matter how many association one has associations one has no matter how much things no how many things how much material one amasses or ascertains that cannot fulfill the heart the mind and the spirit of men and to seek out and to ask for justice and liberation on top of all that becomes a futile effort if the heart is not right in other words you can be free uh, physically but still bound in your heart and in your spirit and this generation is still bound how are they bound they're bound with hatred hurt we've got a lot of things that have happened in this world the family has been disintegrated uh, nearly We've got individuals here. We are in the church preaching to individuals about a family when their very family structure in many cases has either been destroyed or severely challenged. They don't know what a family looks like, what a family is supposed to do. We say that God is a good father. Many of these have never known a father other than a person who has been abusive. And that's not all the case. I want to don't want to paint a broad brush brush. But these are some of the things that we have seen over time. We have created hate and then to reflect back on the past without a full context or a full understanding of what the past means has also bred and inspired hatred. It is inspired uh, witty um, what I want to say, uh, worldly wisdom um, uh, um, uh, modes and, and, and philosophies such as critical race theory, all of these other types of things. And these things are being presented and moving forth in society in a way that incites hatred, anger and a never ending uh, loop, a never ending chain of bondage upon people and upon uh, people's lives. Dr. Martin Luther King in the National Mall in 1963 said this as a part of the I Have a Dream speech. He said, let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness, 
and hatred. We, we, when we drink from the cup of bitterness and hatred, we will not be free. Freedom cannot be born within us. Listen to this. He also said in his last speech on April 3rd of 1968 at the Mason Temple Church of God in Christ, he said, it's no longer the choice between violence and nonviolence in this world. He says, it's nonviolence or non-existence. That's where we are today. This is Dr. King speaking at this particular time. And I've, I've, you know, challenged individuals, you know, we, we, we come into Black History Month and, and all of this. And we talk about Dr. King around uh, Dr. King's um, uh, birthday or his birthday celebration. And we, you know, we, uh, some people are happy to recite, oh, the first black person that did this or uh, this person was a part of that this black person was a part of that this part and 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 that's okay to know because that's a certain aspect of black history but i want to tell you there's more to black history than that there's uh, a part of history this you know the black philosophy what do blacks believe what was believed within the black community what type of uh, methodology theory philosophy that they have of life um, and moving forward, especially as uh, blacks were Americanized and blacks, uh, you know, that were raised uh, in America, what type of philosophy did they adopt? And we find out that over a period of time, there were quite a few different uh, philosophies that came up among black individuals and among black people in general. And I just want to touch on those things today. And uh, uh, kind of uh, put this in a word perspective at the end of the day. But listen, uh, you know, we can look at history and we look at the turns uh, that black people went through and it created a hunger. It created a desire for change. It created a desire for newness. Uh, freedom, liberation, of course, uh, within the hearts and minds of blacks. But there were many different ways uh, that came up over years. And as we reflect back over time, I'll try to outline some of the more prominent ways that black liberation or philosophy of, uh, of black liberation came to be. One of the first and notable um, philosophies of black liberty was the notion of black independence uh, in about 1900. Black independence was primarily taught by Booker T. Washington and George Washington Carver, which are two names that are just about in every uh, black community uh, that you uh, go to. Uh, they're memorialized simply because of the work that they did. Black independence taught that uh, black people should strive for excellence within their communities not saying that they couldn't migrate or be in other communities, but they should strive for excellence right where they are. They should have the best businesses, the best stores, uh, know, uh, be able to do trades the best or better than anyone else and, and move forward in life without asking anyone else for help. And then when we get to that place uh, that we are the best, then we can compete with everybody else 
uh, go out and, and, and compete. Do the best you can. Make yourself self-sustainable and go after your slice and, uh, of the American pie. This was about in 1900 and about 1908. And both of those gentlemen were former slaves, people who had lived as slaves. But we had another one to come along after that who had never lived as a slave. In 1908, his name was W.E.B. Du Bois. He wrote a book called The Talented Tenth, and he was a founder of what was called the Niagara Movement, which was eventually melded into uh, the NAACP. Um, um, Mr. Du Bois's theory and philosophy was that we needed to be repaired as a black people to some degree, and that, um, uh, you know, he wanted to make it plain that the white community, white people, have, were responsible for the condition of blacks and that this thing uh, should be fixed um, uh, one of two ways, uh, either by repairing, repairing us or separating us uh, and letting us make our own thing. And that kind of thought came a little bit later uh, because that thought was really inspired by a gentleman named Marcus Garvey under the third uh, philosophical movement uh, called, and that was called Pan-Africanism or Black Nationalism in general. And uh, and under Black Nationalism and Separatism, basically blacks were told or, or taught the philosophy or the theory that we need our own place. In fact, uh, Mr. Garvey was trying to uh, institute a black nation and, um, you know, that that thing never really did pan out uh, because nobody was willing to give up the land and let the American blacks just come and settle and do what they wanted to do. But nevertheless, that's what was taught and that's what was meant by pan-Africanism. And, of course, those movements through the years just didn't die. Uh, those things uh, really kind of uh, kept in in place and as we'll see here uh, various organizations and various ones kept those things up. Then there was a the Harlem Renaissance or the Negro Movement the New Negro Movement in 1920 uh, the Harlem Renaissance basically was a time when the discovery of black talent really came to the forefront. Black musicians black entertainers, black culture itself and that was the rage and a lot of things were happening in Harlem uh, you weren't anything if you weren't in Harlem and you weren't getting connected to anybody um, uh, and, unless you were uh, uh, connected in a Harlem. The problem with that was is that the connection was primarily white people on the other side. So there was no independent connections outside of the white uh, individuals who funded and uh, those the entertainment industry and everything. And really now we're much a victim of those type of things. Uh, but nevertheless, we'll go on. Then there was a peaceful resistance movement of the 1960s, uh, sparked by Rosa Parks, as you know, refusing to give up that seat, rightfully so, Dr. Martin Luther King. But even before that, in 1942, by James Farmer, uh, who was the uh, leader or director of CORE. Uh, CORE was the Congress of Equity, Racial Equality. And he was the first peaceful protester, one which Dr. Martin Luther King would later uh, basically follow in his footsteps. But uh, uh, for the most part, peaceful resistance was the uh, movement or the way uh, for the black community to find liberation. 
Much of that under Dr. King was found out of the biblical narrative and also religious narratives in general as he followed them and applied uh, some of their peaceful techniques uh, to uh, various you know, uh, situations. But uh, peace in general was what was taught. And he looked at that as being a biblical mode and something that we can follow and we can examine uh, in the life of Christ and also uh, what the Bible uh, through Christianity taught in general. However, there was the black power movement, which picked up off of some of the Garvey movement that kept those things in place. And the Black Power Movement of 1966 basically said, listen, since the white folks are not going to protect us, we'll protect our own self. And that sparked, uh, of course, that went up to a zenith and a fever pitch uh, during the time of Malcolm X, who once taught black separatism as well, but then kind of changed after he uh, came back from Mecca and uh, renamed himself uh, Malik El Shabazz, and that was what his name. Many people don't know that Malcolm X died as Malik El Shabazz as opposed to Malcolm X. Uh, but nevertheless, these theories were carried on by him, uh, by Stokely Carmichael, by Huey Newton of the Black Panthers. The Nation of Islam itself would later adopt a anti-separatist uh, movement, but certainly a black power movement. And so all of these things happened uh, then. Then there was in 1970, uh, the black feminist movement. And, uh, and of course, many, much of that exists to today. Uh, but Shirley Chisholm was the first black woman uh, to run for president at the time that she was told she shouldn't run for president. Well, she went ahead and she ran for president anyway. And much of the black feminist movement uh, actually has moved on, is changed uh, in its nature, is picked up some of the more violent elements in what's called the Black Lives Matter movement uh, of today, which is a movement that I have very little regard, if any regard, outside of just the phrase uh, for. I don't have any regard for the um, uh, administrative form of that particular Organization, But nevertheless, that's another story. Um, but I say all those things just to say this. Uh, none of our efforts to free, to be free, none of our efforts to move forward are anything without the liberator. Christ is the liberator. Without him, we cannot be free. We will not be free. But he is the only one that can free us. He has come to set us free and us at liberty because we've been bound, bound in heart and, and, and hopelessness, bound with what others have talked and said that we are. But we can be free. We belong to him. Thank God we have an opportunity to be free today. Listen, I want you to know, no matter what you're going through, Christ is the answer. He is the only hope, and He can make a difference in your life. Will you believe Him with me? God bless you, my friend. Until next broadcast, this is Pastor Harvey Burnett bidding you Godspeed.